Thanks for joining the Church at Nolensville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Welcome to church. So glad that you're here. My name is Wade Owens. I'm the campus and teaching pastor here. And we have prayed and fasted and believed God for this day. And I just want to say to you, as I hope many others have, welcome home. If you're a guest among us, we're so glad that you're here. Church at Nolensville, if you already belong, let's say a big round of applause and welcome to our guest. Thank you for being here. We just want to make much of Jesus, and I'm going to jump into my sermon, and I'll begin with a question. How many of you, show of hands, like a good story? Show of hands. Well, we're going to look at a great story today. In fact, we're going to find it in the Old Testament, 2 Kings. But I don't want you to think of it as just simply a story. These are really true events. Like this really happened. And and somehow the the Old Testament narratives have been relegated to this position of sort of cute children's stories. But but they're more than just children's stories. And and honestly, if you think about them as just children's stories, it really just, it doesn't work. So so pretend this. I'm tucking in one of my kids at night and I tell him, Hey, you know, God really just wanted to rescue his people. And he wanted to show how strong he was. And he wanted to show that his promises never fail. And so he sends Moses to Pharaoh and he says, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Y'all remember this, right? And Pharaoh, he was stubborn, but God wanted to show Pharaoh that he's tiny. And I'm tucking my kids in and I'm telling the story and God wants them to know he's infinite. So God turned the Nile into blood. And God killed all the cattle in the land and he blotted out the sun and then he sent locusts to ravage the land. But but Pharaoh still wouldn't listen. And so he killed every firstborn in Egypt. Good night, peaches. (laughs) They're not just cute kids stories. The stories of the Bible and particularly that one is about the foreshadowing of Jesus How the molecules of water obey the voice and command of God. How the sun will go black if he tells it to. So the Bible teaches us about God. And the Bible primarily teaches us about the person and work of Jesus Christ and our need for him. How broken people through Jesus respond to God. And then God invites those people to join him in his mission on earth. The Bible declares... That you and I were created for a ferocious, world-changing purpose. That our destinies have literally been created by God himself. But sadly, most people, they, they wander in and through life completely missing why they even exist. And, and I believe this statement is true. I believe this statement is true. It says, most believers are not in imminent danger of ruining their lives. They're facing a danger that is far greater, wasting them. And today, I'm just going to challenge you to, to believe two things. Number one, that your life was created on purpose and with a purpose. And number two, I'm going to invite you To start 2020 by taking your next step to fulfill the purpose God has in your life. Two things I want to challenge you and invite you into believe. One, that your life was created on purpose and with a purpose. And two, to take your next step in 2020 to walk into that purpose. And we're going to find God's truth today 
In 2 Kings chapter 3, you can find your place there, and I'm going to pray. So, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for a new facility. God, we are, we're home, and we're here to stay. We're here to serve, and we're here to send. We want to send others to be missionaries, like the missionaries that help plant this church. So God, today, help every person believe that they were created on purpose with a purpose, and then invite our hearts to take our next step with you in 2020, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. So we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 3, primarily verses 9 through 20. And in these verses, you're going to meet a person named Elisha, and Elisha is the new prophet of Israel. And prophets were God's mouthpiece to the land. You will read in the scriptures where they will say things like, thus says the Lord. You see, God spoke to the prophet and then the prophet would speak to the people. And you meet in this story, Elisha. And Elisha is an interesting guy. His name means my God is salvation. And he had the mantle passed to him from Elijah. And Elisha prayed and asked to receive a double portion of Elijah's blessing, and he received it. And now he's fresh on the scene as the new prophet. And you're also going to meet in this verse, you're going to meet three different kings. You're going to meet the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and you're going to meet the king of Edom. And these three kings have aligned to come together to attack a common foe, Moab, which is a notorious bad group of people in the Bible. And these three kings are going to fight the Moabites, and they expected to win the battle really, really easily. But instead, they ran into some trouble. In fact, it was a matter of life and death. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in verse 9. And I'm going to have this, the verses on our TV and on our screen. But I really do invite you to bring a Bible, bring a copy of the Word of God for yourself. I want you to see it. I want you to write it. And I want you to be able to read it. I want you to know, hey, I'm not making this stuff up. We preach here from the CSB version. If you want to buy a copy of the scriptures that syncs up with what we're preaching from. But let's pick up our story in verse 9. It says this. So the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom set out. And after they had traveled their indirect route for seven days, they had no water for the army or the animals with them. So this, this isn't going well for them. Remember, they're in a desert. Let's look what happens. Verse 10. Then the king of Israel said, oh no, the Lord has summoned these three kings only to hand them over to Moab. So think, they're going to fight the Moabites. They're traveling through the desert. They're en route to their destination and they run out of water. They're in the desert. So this is a really big deal to be out of water. And the king of Israel, who at this time is a bad king, he's wondering, check this, did the Lord, did the Lord bring us this far just to fail us? Did God let everything that's happened so far happen to us just to bring us to this moment and crush us now? God, did you bring us this far just to fail us, just to abandon me? And I, I'm not even going to make that point to us this morning because I know all of you in the room are mature believers and there's never been a point in your life where you have ever questioned or wondered, did God bring me this far just to fail me? You've probably never questioned in your mind that everything happened in 2019 happened so that in 2020 he could just end me. I know y'all have never thought that, so I'm not going to preach that. We'll just keep moving. How about that? All right, let's, let's look at verse 11. But Jehoshaphat said, 
Is there a prophet of the Lord here? It's a question. Let's inquire of the Lord through him. Now, these, these three confident kings, they've entered into a really sticky situation. It's bad. It's really bad. So bad, they decide, hey, let's give God a try. Let's give God a try and see if that works. And they're going to call for Elisha. And if you remember, Elisha is new to the job. Now, Elisha's done a few things. If you look back in 2 Kings, it's going to tell you that at one point he spoke to a polluted pool of water and it just turned fresh. Then this group of boys come out and they start making fun of him. Yeah, they like, they call him baldy. Apparently he didn't have a lot of hair. So Elijah calls out a bear and calls a curse on them and the bear chases them back into the woods. Have y'all read that? It's in the Bible. Y'all, y'all should read the Bible. Some of y'all are like, all my life I thought the Bible was boring. Turns out we might be boring and the Bible's awesome. Amen? So, so let's see what Elijah says. And one of the servants of the kings of Israel answered, Well, Elisha, son of Shaphat, who used to pour water on Elisha's hands, is here. Verse 12. Well, Jehoshaphat affirmed, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to him. Now, the other kings, they don't know Elisha well yet. Everyone knew and respected Elijah who preceded him. Elijah's the one that rained down fire from heaven. He's the one that, that prophesied that his God was true and the prophets of Baal were not. Y'all remember the whole cage match and fire fell down from heaven? That's Elijah. Elijah never even tasted death. He went to heaven in a chariot of fire. But they've strayed so far, they haven't met the new prophet Elisha yet. They didn't even know the name of the new guy. They had to be told. They just want, at this point, a prophet. They've hit this major obstacle. They can't fix it, and they just want a solution. And they're like, let's just try some of that God stuff. Does anyone know if there's a God guy around? Can anyone bring a God guy to us? Maybe that God guy can say a little rain prayer. And so Elisha's called to prophesy to the kings and speak to the kings. And this is, this is his first chance to do this. So he's entered into the big leagues. This is his first swing in the big leagues. This, he's, he's teeing off in the majors for the first time. He's preaching in big church for the first time. So we need to see what Elisha's going to do. You would think on day one of his first big opportunity, he's probably going to come with his best stuff. He may maybe start a little heartwarming, you know, maybe, maybe warm up with a joke, you know, maybe be something like that. And so let's, let's see what, let's see what he says. However, Elisha said to King Jehoram of Israel, what do we have in common? Go to the prophets of your father and your mother. Look what he continues to say. But the king of Israel replied, no, because it is the Lord who has summoned these three kings to hand them over to Moab. Here's what's happening. The kings are saying, hey, hey, it's your God's fault that we're in this situation. I don't need to go to the prophets of my mother. I don't need to go to the prophets of my father. The Lord, the God that you speak for, he brought us out here just to kill us. Things are looking so bleak for them right now, and they're beginning to blame God. Here, here's something you need to know. Excuse me. Here's something you need to know that's true. God gets all of the blame when things aren't going well, and he gets so little of the credit when things are going right. Things aren't going well for them, and they're like, it's, it's, it's your God's fault. And when things are going poorly, we're like, God's failed us. And when things are going well, we're like, oh, look at me. Look how awesome I am. I figured it out. 
He gets all the blame when things don't go well and none of the credit when things are going good. Well, we'll look how Elijah responds here. Well, Elijah responded, by the life of the Lord of armies before whom I stand. And I imagine he's getting fired up right now. And he says, before whom I stand, implying you don't. If I did not have respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah, I wouldn't look at you and I wouldn't even take notice of you. He's getting pretty amped up here. Look what he says next. Now bring me a what? What's the word? Musician. Our boy's all fired up, actually a little bit salty here. He's taking an attitude with him. And he asks for a musician. Doesn't he know that they're stranded in the desert, that this is a moment of of life or death? This is desperate times. And God is the only one who can help. You've been asked to come to speak because you're a prophet who speaks for God. And in this moment, you ask for mood music. Does that not seem strange to anyone here? Well, it's actually not that uncommon. Prophets actually typically had a musician that accompanied them. And music was actually first cultivated in the school of the prophets. It would soothe the soul. It would quiet the soul. And it would help facilitate their sensitivity to the presence of God. I didn't say it increased the presence of God, but it helped facilitate their awareness of the presence of God. And the musician, probably a harpist, begins to play. Elijah begins to seek the Lord, and he's going to give an answer that the king has been waiting for. And these three kings, I would imagine, if you were, weren't you there, you would be waiting. Okay, I bet he's going to respond. Rain is here. Rain is covering. Deliverance is here. God's going to provide, right? Because that's what he does. I'm in a jam. God's going to get me out of the jam. And the king's waiting and let's see what he says while the musician played the lord's hand came on elijah and then he says this is what the lord says so here's the moment this is what they've been waiting for and i don't know i wasn't there i don't know if elijah's drawing it out i don't know if he takes a pause i don't know if he looks him right in the eye i don't know but remember this is a historical event that actually happened so be there what would it have been like to have been waiting on the answer are we going to live are we going to die what's the answer elijah well let's see what the answer is then he said this is what the lord says <laughs> dig ditch after ditch in this wadi dig ditch after ditch after ditch in this wadi can we be honest in church for a minute yes or no this is the group participation part of the sermon because if you don't answer i just repeat myself we'll be here all day I, i don't know about you but i probably wouldn't have wanted that answer would you have wanted an answer Hey, it's life or death, and you tell me to go get a shovel? My armies are dehydrated. We're approaching death. And your answer is start digging. God, wouldn't it be great if you would just bail us out? God, wouldn't it be great if you just showed up in this moment and provided for us? Instead, God says start digging. See, so many people want a shortcut. But God is not our shortcut. God is our only solution. 
And if all we want from God is something he can provide us quickly in the moment, do something big, get us out of a jam, fix that, fix this, do this, then that's not faith, that's not worship, that's idolatry. And if all we want is God to step in and do a little trick like magic, then quite often we'll be sorely disappointed. Because miracles aren't magic tricks. And faith isn't an easy button. In fact, it's a work order. You want to see rain? Start digging. Put your faith in action. Because faith isn't simply asking God to do something big. God, would you please provide? God, would you please provide? God, would you do this? God, would you move? No, this, this is, I think, a great definition of faith out of this earth. Faith is digging ditches in preparation before you ever see the first rain cloud in the sky. Only God can make it rain. But he calls us to be involved in the process. And I I believe with all of my heart and with all of my soul that God has the most exciting, tremendous, world-shaking, Nolensville-shaking, nation-shaking vision for our church. I believe God's going to turn our neighborhoods and the nations upside down. I believe that so many of you in this room, you want to find freedom and purpose that you've been created for, that you want to take your next step. You want to step into the design that God has for you. My statement to you would be, let's start digging. Because the God didn't tell the kings, hey, dig a ditch. <laughs> he told them dig ditch after ditch after ditch after ditch. In fact, other translations say, make this valley full of ditches. And these guys are tired. They're weary. They're dehydrated. There are no tools for the job, only weapons of war. And I read this and I ask myself the question, Did you realize any God that can make it rain can also provide the ditches needed to move the water so the troops can drink? So so why did God need a labor force? Why is God asking them to dig ditches? It's because he wants their faith in motion before he moves. Because see, there's an element of our faith that says, God, you're the only one that can provide. You're the only one that can do this, God. We need you. But there's also an element of our faith that says, I'm going to get off the couch and put my faith in action. And see, some of you desperately need God to move in your life. I, I, I do. You want your family to know and love and serve and follow Jesus. You want your children to know and love and serve and follow Jesus. You want to know freedom. You want to find your purpose. Jesus is calling you into that. But it requires a starting point. You want 2020 to be a year where your household's faith is just on fire, white, hot passion for Jesus. Start digging. Start preparing before the rain comes. You need to be digging ditches of prayer this week. I remember my wife and I spending countless hours praying over the salvation of our children. I remember countless hours of saying, God, would you do what only you can do in their lives? Training them, teaching them, digging ditches in their life week after week after week after week after week after week. Going, I know the rain is coming, but when the rain comes, we want to be ready. 
There's an element of our faith that says, God, only you can provide. But there's also an element of our faith that says, I'm going to get up and be prepared for when God does provide. Some of you, you need to start digging ditches of forgiveness. You need to speak to someone and forgive them even though they haven't forgiven you yet. Some of you need to be generous even though you have only a little. You need to start digging ditches of preparation. And believe that when we step in and start digging, God does what only he can do. We step up and do what we can do and then believe that God will then do what only he can do. And listen, our God can do anything. Amen? Anything. And I love sports. Show of hands, how many of y'all like sports? There's a, a 30 for 30 that I particularly like. I love a lot of 30, 30s, 30 for 30s, but there's one that I really particularly like and it tracked this Olympian who got ready for the Olympics and it talked about all of his preparation for the Olympics. And he said, you know, I, I, I've been preparing and he went through all of his workout regimen and one line stuck out. He said, you know, I haven't even eaten a dessert in two years. He's talking about, you know, paying the price to be here because people look at me win an Olympic gold and like, oh, that's so cool. But, but man, I paid a price to be here. And I remember watching it, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like that guy. I didn't even eat dessert this week. You know, I'm kind of preparing. But see, in human terms, you know, we, we use our talent. We seize the opportunity and perhaps we might win the prize. But for God's people, we prepare, we dig ditches knowing that without God, we will fail. We know that only God can move and only God can provide, but we won't sit still. Our faith is going to be in action, believing that our God wants to do great things on this earth through his people. So we dig ditches believing Believing that God is going to do great things. And then Elijah, he, he has more to say. Look at verses 17 through 18. For the Lord says, you will not see wind or rain, but the wadi will be filled with water and you will drink you and your cattle and your animals. This is easy in the Lord's sight. And he will hand over Moab to you. And then you will attack every fortified city and every choice city and you will cut down every good tree and you will stop up every spring and you will ruin the good pieces of land. And about the time of the grain offering the next morning, water suddenly came from the direction of Eden and filled the land. And you continue to read. And you know what just strikes me as I read the rest of that chapter. There's nothing in there about how hard or grueling it was for that army to dig those ditches to, to move the water so that they could drink and survive. There's nothing about how grueling it was without a Lowe's to go buy shovels. There's nothing about how exhausting it was to dig all of those ditches with just swords and shields. There's nothing about how backbreaking it was. And I have to stop and I have to ask myself, why? Why is there nothing, at least a little bit of complaining about, I had to dig ditches for 12 hours with just a sword. How many of y'all would have grumbled? Bunch of liars. Y'all be grumbling. Like, you got rain, but you don't know what I had to do to get to that rain. You know why I think there's nothing in there about the grumbling? Because I think when God moved among his people, it was so inspiring. They forgot about all the hard work it took to get there. I think when they saw God do what only he can do, 
And when God showed up, it blew them away and they forgot about all the work it took to get there. See, what many of you don't know is that this church started two years ago with 28 families. Look around. Two years ago, 28 families met at Nana's Diner. Started believing in faith that God might do something here. Two years ago, 28 families started digging ditches in your neighborhoods and prayer walking. Two years ago, 28 people started digging ditches of fasting and prayer and serving and loving and inviting and going out and being God's hand and going out and being God's feet. Long before the rain of this new building ever showed up. Long before the promise of this building ever showed up. They were meeting and believing God wanted to do something here. And we should clap that the rain has come and we have a new building and we're here to stay and we're here to serve and we're here to sin. And I love that we clap now and we should. But I love that two years ago there were 28 people who said, I believe God's called us to dig some ditches. I believe that God wants to do something remarkable in this town. I love that 50 years ago, Brentwood Baptist, we're a part of the Brentwood Baptist family of churches, planted their first church in Brentwood and it grew like crazy. And 50 years, they saw God do great things and they said, we don't want to just build it big in one place. But over the last 10 years, we've planted eight campuses across Middle Tennessee. So we stand on 50 years of people digging ditches and living like missionaries and giving the gospel away and giving their resources away and giving their lives away for the sake of the gospel we stand on the shoulders of some ditch diggers and we should applaud today because the rain's coming guys look around but I believe we're just getting started because God didn't bring you here to just be here God brought you here to belong here And what we look back and say, look what God did with 28 families. I want you to be with us two years from now and go look what God did with that original group of people that were there on launch Sunday. When we've planted churches from here, when we've sent missionaries from here, when we've seen hundreds come to Christ, when we've seen families restored, when we've seen cold and frozen hearts melted and marriages redeemed and restored and generations changed, when we've seen all of that together, you can say, I was there and I started digging ditches with them. And there's an element of our faith that says only God can provide. But there's an element of our faith that says, I'm going to get up and get to work. And so my invitation to you today, come get in the fight. Come link arms with us. Come take your next step. I can promise you this, biblically, practically, the ache in your soul that you feel the desire for purpose, the desire for mission will not be purchased. Your career can't give it to you. Your spouse can't give it to you. Your kids can't give it to you. Traveling the world and retirement won't provide it for you. There's one thing that satisfies your soul. and It's the mission of God. 
to say yes to Jesus and follow him as a believer and then to step into his plans and purposes that have been created in uh, eternity for you. I said in the beginning, most believers are not in imminent danger of ruining their lives. But they face a danger far greater. Wasting them. So I ask you, before we sing, two things. One, do you believe that there's an invitation on your life from God, not me, that you have purpose, that your life matters? And if so, the second thing is take your next step of walking into that purpose. I want to be really clear before we sing on how those next steps work here, and we're going to pray. First step for you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, is to say yes to Jesus. To say, I am not a follower of Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I don't think that I am. If that's you and you don't know, then today you could say something like this in prayer in a moment. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. There's a card in the seat back in front of you today. Take it, fill it out, put on there. I want to follow Jesus. Drop it in the buckets. I promise you we're not going to come by your house. We're not going to do anything weird. We're going to reach out to you by email or text and say, let's grab coffee and talk. You want to follow Jesus? We want to help. Others of you, if you have a next step, man, I want to get in a small group. I want to serve. I I, I want to learn more about the church. I, I just want to figure out more what it means to be a mom or a dad or whatever your next step is. Fill it out on that card. Drop it in the bucket on your way out or see our next steps table in the foyer. We're a church of next steps. If you have a next step that you want to take, don't leave here without taking your next step. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you do mighty and powerful things among us. Thank you that you are our God. I pray for every person in the room today that needs to become a Christian for the first time, that they would have the courage, the faith to know that you're calling them to be the son and a daughter. And they would pray in faith today, Jesus, save me, that they would fill out that card. Let us follow up with them. And then for every other person that wants to take a next step and help us change the world starting right here in Nolensville, God, I pray they'd have courage just to say yes to whatever that next step is. You don't have to know all of it, just one next step. One next step. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen.